If you saw a beggar on a street and they had all kinds of luxuries around them and plenty of food sitting in front of them, you'd say you don't need anything else. And I feel like the the modern context for the average Catholic in America is we just we give our kids so much. And we're always mm-hmm. like, well, we need to give our kids more and we need to give our kids more and we need to give our kids more. Our kids have enough. Like so many of us, we're not giving more to the needs of the church or to the needs of the poor because we're just, we're gluttonizing, if you will, financially our children. Hey, friends, and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Brad Pierre, and I'll be the host for today's show, and I'm joined in the illustrious Damascus studio with my two friends and brothers in Christ, Dan Dimite and Aaron Richards. And it's so good uh, to be here in the Lenten season. We've, uh, we've been doing some episodes here, haven't we? Yeah. (laughs) So like we're, uh, we're talking about relentless uh, ness and we've talked about relentless pursuit, a relentless pursuit that God has for us, the relentless pursuit that we respond with uh, to him and then relentless prayer, relentless fasting. And today we're going to talk about relentless almsgiving. So um, it's a very lented package for us. You guys excited about almsgiving? I could not be more excited. Could not be more excited. <laughs> well, with that excitement, Aaron, you want to uh, start us with prayer? Of course. In the name yeah. of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, you show us what it's like to give. Uh, St. John Paul II reminds us, man cannot know himself apart from a complete total gift of himself. And I pray that you'd light our hearts on fire today to give ourselves away. And that through this uh, discussion on almsgiving, Lord, that you'd touch a part in us that may need to be um, reignited, re-educated, re-inspired on how to enter into this beautiful invitation and expectation that your church offers. Uh, God, give us hearts that are receptive and ready to be transformed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you can't say almsgiving without giving. So I want to start with the second part of that word. And um, I, I think that it's been, it's been cool in my Lenten season. There's been a song that I've been like constantly kind of going back to. Uh, and the song is You Remain. And yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a bridge to that song that I've talked about uh, on a previous episode, but that I, I want to bring back here to kind of lay a foundation for our conversation today. And uh, the, the bridge to this song says, um, When I See Your Face, I'll wish I had given more away, right? That like every, everything that I'm acquiring, one day it's just going to be you. Lord. I, I wish like that I would know now what I'll know then, which is that like everything else is lost to the infinite good of knowing you. I wish I'd given more away. And um, I was thinking about today's episode and wanting to start with giving because like giving is just all over scripture. It's the, the nature of God is to give and he's put that nature in us. So we were made to give. Like in the beginning, God gives his word and creation flows from it, right? Um, like it's, it's, a, it's from that word. He, he gives his breath into what he's formed from the ground. And there's man. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who would believe in him might not perish, but have eternal life. You have like um, Jesus himself saying the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I think let's just like um, start with the essential nature of giving. Like when you guys think about 
um, just being Christian, why is giving such an important part of it? I think no one tackles us more brilliantly than John Paul II, the theology of the body. Yeah. The, he, he, theology of the body truly is a human anthropology. What does it mean to be human? And ultimately he goes to this discovery of Genesis and then this unpacking of, um, some of the, the key gospel texts from Jesus. And you, he kind of comes to this conclusion that to be human is to be gift, that the very nature of man is to be a gift. Uh, and so like, we truly find our own being, our essence, our nature in giving. It's, yeah. And it's in giving that we receive, if you will, the scripture says, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, he, he would say that man doesn't even discover who he is, his own humanness mm-hmm. until he gives himself away. That it's mm-hmm. truly this, the gift is it, it's, we discover our essence, our nature through that. So yeah. it just boils down to everything, like everything of who we are, we were designed like God mm-hmm. because God is gift to be made in the image and likeness of God means that I was made to be gift. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty good, Dan. Pretty it's good. Pretty, yeah. Pretty, uh, <laughs> it's a hard thing to unpack quickly. No, it is yeah, really good. I mean, his, the TOB is just so beautiful. When it harkens back to what you were saying yeah. in your prayer at the beginning. You I know? actually quoted that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, and, and John Paul II defines it in the same way. He, yeah. he, he sets out that that wasn't just your beautiful reflection on theology yeah. body. Yeah. He, he yeah. outlines that this is intended to be an adequate anthropology, yeah. right? So the yeah. understanding that we created in the image and likeness of God are created in the image and likeness of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And, and the Trinity is, is giving and receiving. Like this, right. is, this is giving, receiving, reciprocating, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and gift. There's, there's, there's nothing about that that's optional. Yeah. And like, it's, it's not only, it's not only how we were created, it's our ultimate destiny as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. So there's, there will be no selfishness in heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as we come to more fully embrace that reality of, of becoming gift. Yeah. Right. It just prepares us for the heavenly reality. That's right. And even to, it's a gift of self, um, which Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. always requires some sort of sa- sacrifice, um, which I'm not sure if you would say the Trinity's get mutual gift of self is a sacrificial gift, but you truly see in the life of Jesus on the cross, this, mm-hmm. the, the greatest image of, uh, of, of gift of, yeah. uh, um, is hundred percent sacrificial. Yeah. So the, there's the element, not just to give of oneself, but to give yeah. in a sacrificial way, not in a, excessive. Yeah. Right. Well, that's John 15, right? Yeah. Greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends, right? To give, to give of his life for his friends. Right. And uh, I think that there's a, there's just so much evidence for it in scripture that this is what God wants for us. Right. We even read that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And it's funny because when you think about that, those, those might just be the same way of defining the same thing, right? Like you are cheerful when you're giving. And if you're a giver and you're truly giving in a way that's not counting the cost, you are cheerful. I don't and, know. I've right? seen my kids giving in an uncheerful way sometimes <laughs> when I require yes. them to share. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's fair. I think what I'm what I'm trying to get at is like if we can understand the heart of what John Paul II is actually saying, there's no way we wouldn't be cheerful to yeah. give it away. There's just no way because what we would understand is that we were actually made to actually be gift. Like I was like all the gifts I've been given, I don't have to store for myself because they're not teaching me something about me. Those gifts are teaching me something about the gift giver. 
And then I can give them back away. Right. And like, cause you're right. When I was a child, I used to think as a child, reason as a child, but as the perfect comes, I've set aside childish things. Like yeah. we can let the partial, um, pass away when we really step into like, Hey, this gift thing matters. Um, I was, uh, I was reflecting on just, uh, the missionaries, uh, yeses that they give here at Damascus recently, uh, in just in prayer, because we're in a season of discerning, uh, the, the next like batch of missionaries that will be under our formation and, uh, serving the young people that are entrusted to us here. And as I was thinking about like, what, what makes our two-year program so amazing? And the only answer I could come up with is it's that people give their lives for two years. Like that's the profundity of it is I give two years of my life to someone else's control, to someone else's demands for the sake of building up the church. And as I was looking at that, I'm like, man, if we could have that in every element of the church, like what if that was my disposition with every yes I gave to my parish, every yes I gave to my family? Uh, I wonder what you guys think about that. That just was coming on my heart. And I was like, man, why I love our missionary program is it requires you to give a full yes. And there's something about us that yeah. was made to give a full yes. Yeah, we, we used to, I mean, yes, absolutely. We, we used to, in our summer in our summer programs here at, mm-hmm. at, at Damascus, we would have people who would come out for a week or two weeks or yeah. three weeks. And um, thank you, Jesus. And thank you to all of those people who gave sacrificially 100%. of their, yes, of their one and two and three weeks. And the first summer, this was 2016, mm-hmm. um, that we asked ourselves, like, what would it be like if we, if we invited people to give a complete yes? Yeah. Um, the entire game changed. Mm-hmm like the entire yeah. caliber, quality, commitment level of our missionary program, it transformed overnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, I mean, we, we discerned that decision for, for months and mm-hmm. months because we didn't want to lose what we had. Mm-hmm. And after that year, looking back, there just wasn't even a question yeah. as to whether this was the way to go. Yeah. Right? Because it fosters something in you where right. uh, it, it's the difference between like between dating mm-hmm. and the maturity of, of marriage. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. I've said, I've given you a yes. And I suppose there can be mature dating relationships too, yeah, but I've, sure. I've given you a yes. That, that means that I've said no mm-hmm. to, to everything else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah. The intentional gift to the one does exclude it from other things, but that's actually the beauty of it. Cause now I'm fully invested there. Right. Like, yeah, it's almost, <clears throat> I mean, you see this in the novitiate as well for a religious order. Um, it's not just the gift of self; it's the the death to self that's so powerful. It's mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. I love watching year one missionaries and just mm-hmm. over the course of year one, you watch them mm-hmm. go through this like death to self, where the will mm-hmm. initially fights. As you're saying, they come under a schedule. They come under order. They yeah. come under obedience and mm-hmm. to watch the, the will say, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. And then finally mm-hmm. it breaks mm-hmm. and it gives itself to the order mm-hmm. and then it flourishes. Yeah. And there's something about like that. It, it, it's why you have a novitiate that's so mm-hmm. structured and orderly in a religious community because the will has to break in order for the flourishing to happen. Yeah. And um, there's something when you give yourself mm-hmm. away, uh, yeah. it allows that um, that surrender to happen. That's right. Unless a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains mm-hmm. but a grain of wheat. 
And I think that's a really interesting perspective though, Aaron, because yeah, we've actually had like um, gradations of this, this uh, process in the last, you know, eight years here at Damascus or however long it's Mm -hmm. been, right? Like there's been this like, okay, we're actually going to see if we can have our entire missionary staff stay for a whole summer. And now we have people staying during the year and okay, well, they'll stay for one year. Well, now it's a two-year program. You can almost see that like the Lord was showing us like, hey, here's the gift I want you to invite people into, you know? And as we've done that, I do, I think there's been fruit that's come from that. And now you have people that are discerning, like, am I, am I called to give a, a gift of like greater service indefinitely, or maybe on our national team for a year, which is all awesome. But I don't think it's just an apostolate. So I think the, the reason I'm bringing that up is like, it, it was just on my heart, how grateful I am that there are people that give to that. And then I started thinking, well, if all of us would see every yes we give to the Lord as that, right? I give it away for whatever you have for me right now. You know, yeah. you have well, no, yeah, nothing happens without the gift. Yeah. So there's, I mean, <laughs> there's kids on campus right now. I see them at the rock climbing wall out the window. Like <laughs> yeah. the, they're not there if people don't say yes to giving their time to those kids. And so like mm-hmm. the mission of the church, whether it's evangelization or service to the poor, it, it nothing happens without the choice of someone giving. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that's the, the extent that we are able to grow our mission here and the extent to which the church is able to grow her mission is a hundred percent dependent mm-hmm. on people giving themselves to mission. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So giving's important. It's important. It's important because we were made to do it. But I think that in the very same way that a lot of the things we were made to do, we struggle with, we struggle with giving, right? Like we want to like fight the impulse to give it all away all of the time. And so I want to spend a little bit of time there because I think we've, we've done well to share like the reason we were made to give is because the human person is designed to give. That's also one of the hardest things for us to do is give. And so I want to spend some time like maybe fleshing out exactly what we think to be the reasons that we struggle giving. I think one that we talk about here at Damascus a lot, I'd like to see what you guys have on it is um, sometimes we struggle to give because we, we, um, we conceptualize life in like zero sum terms that like, if I give this away, I lose something and someone might gain something. Like we, we sometimes here call it like, like an orphan mentality, right? That like the, the one providing for me, if I give this away, won't provide enough to replace it. Right. Uh, so I think there's some identity stuff in that, but, but I see this. And again, I, I only can see life through my own lens. I work in apostolate work where we're bringing missionaries in. This happens with missionary apostolates all the time. We don't want to give contacts of the people that have contacted us to others, even if they're best suited for the other people. And it's because this zero sum thing happens where it's like, if I give this away, I might not get anything in return. Right. And I think that's an apprehension, but I wonder what other apprehensions you guys see. Like if we were made to give, but we're not giving, there has to be some stumbling blocks. What are those stumbling blocks? When you look at just, so our capacity to give and our design to give is a is an invitation to participation in the life of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the most valuable attribute of who we are as a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's the simplest answer of why we're inclined not to give is because it's also the most valuable target of the enemy. So mm-hmm. everything about sin is about my desire to take rather than to give. Yep. To the point where that's exactly original sin, mm-hmm. right? That that we, our original parents took what they were meant to receive by grace 
they took for themselves, not trusting in the in the gracious gift of the Father. So, I don't know to, uh, to not fall down the rabbit hole of getting of getting super theological no, sure, and sure. reflection here. I, I don't think there's any separating mm-hmm. the fact that yeah, you, you you watch the little videos of the three year old sitting in front of the marshmallow, right? Yeah, and uh, the it's it's built into our into our fallen nature mm-hmm. that this is our propensity like that that we will we will naturally be inclined in this way mm-hmm. but then also the beautiful invitation to fight your inclination yeah because because there's there's grace there mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. when well, when you take you can't fully receive isn't that kind of profound too? Because you were mentioning that, Dan, that we were made to give and receive. And then you were echoing that back because of the life of the Trinity. They're always giving and receiving. Yeah. Like when I take, I never truly receive. And, and that's, a, that's, that's forfeiting something I was made for too. It's actually in giving that I receive, right? Um, but in taking, I can never really receive, nor can I. I think one of the biggest handicaps <clears throat> for us giving is uh, we don't, we don't plan for margins in our life and whether Mm. that's giving of our time or giving of our treasure, uh, that we, we haven't actually planned for the margin. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I don't plan for the margin in my schedule, when someone says, Hey, I really need to talk to you about this. I'm like, I don't have time to talk about it because I didn't, I didn't plan for the margin. I I shoved too much in the schedule. So literally I don't have any more to give, even though, that person's in need and there may be an area where I want to give. I just don't yeah. have it. And mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot with our finances. Uh, you know, if, if you make X, X dollars a year mm-hmm. well, and then you, you choose to buy a house that really straps you financially yeah. to make your mortgage. And then you choose to buy a, a car that straps you mm-hmm. with the car payment. All of a sudden your margin of giving has has decreased so significantly that it's not that you don't desire to give, it's that mm-hmm. you've broken the margin. And you you may see the person in need, really want to serve, but you made mm-hmm. choices not to prepare for the margin. Yeah, I think both you of those are good. You limit your own freedom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think both of those are good. Because yeah, the, uh, we were made to give. And precisely because that's the greatest realization of who we are, that's the greatest thing the evil one's going to try to shadow from us, right? Like it's the greatest thing that the fallen world's going to remove from us is that propensity to give. And then also right in the world that we live in today, it's so full with everything that sometimes we don't fill it with the right things yep. or fill it in the right way. And that, that keeps us from feeling like we have margins to give in the ways we desire. And so, yeah, I, I think um, the reason that giving in the abstract is good to kind of start with is because I think a lot of times when we start talking almsgiving, we go straight to finance. And then all of a sudden people are a little wary on like, why are we talking about finance specifically right now? It can poke things. But like, if we can recognize that we were made to give everything to the Lord, right? Like all of my, all of mine is yours, Lord. Then what we can begin seeing is everything he's given me is a gift. Every resource I have is, is his. And I want to use it how he desires me to. Mm-hmm. Then I can get to finance where it's like, that's a resource that the Lord gives plentifully to a lot of people. And to some people, not as plentifully, but in all of that, it's his, right? Mm-hmm. And so how can we give it back to him? Uh, I, was, uh, I was doing some work for our, um, 
our, our boot camps that we run for our missionaries to teach them mission support raising, which is ultimately um, for anyone listening, it, it's the way by which our missionaries make a living. They make a living by bringing on mission partners who give financially so that our missionaries can give of their time, effort, and mission to the young people that come here to Damascus. And it's an amazing partnership because now all of a sudden you have these um, people that cannot come to Damascus for a two-year program because of state and life or whatever. They give of their financial resource to a missionary who can. And now that financial resource plus that missionary's time equals impact. That's amazing, right? That's amazing. And so I was doing a deep dive into like what the Lord says about money. And like, obviously, if the Lord wants us to operate this way, I want it to be his idea, not ours. And the Lord actually talks about money all of the time. So like outside of the kingdom of God. So obviously Jesus talks about the kingdom of God all the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a pearl that was found in a, in a field, right? Like the only thing that is talked about more than money in scripture is the kingdom of God. The second is, is finance. It's money. And it's because God knew that it was a powerful resource that could be used in really powerful ways. And so um, when we're talking almsgiving, um, which we talk about in Lent all the time, almsgiving is giving to the poor, right? Giving to someone who is in need of that finance. St. Basil the Great says something crazy um, that I don't take seriously, quite frankly, and maybe I should, (laughs) but St. Basil says that for those of you who have two coats, you've actually robbed one from a brother. Mm -hmm. Like he he took almsgiving very seriously. And our church has for a long time. Now, I'm not, I'm not building a theology around that, but I do think for us to get back to, man, that's a, that's a big statement. Um, but wonder, like, when, when you think about giving to the poor, um, we've already talked about giving as like a general concept. Like, um, why is it important to give to the poor? Why, why should we see that as something that shouldn't just be for the Lenten season, but should be re-emphasized in the Lenten season so we can live it all the time? I, mean, I think the greatest thing is just to, have the poor always before us. Um, mm-hmm. That Jesus, he said, he he says, you know, whenever whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did for me. And keeping the poor in front of us is keeping Jesus in front of us. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's uh, there's there's something about the heart that when it's sensitive to the suffering of man, uh, it it becomes more like the heart of God. And so I think the the absolute need of not just giving um, and not just uh, tithing, but uh, specifically almsgiving, giving to the poor, that there's something about, okay, I need to keep in mind the um, the the face of Jesus and the poor. And the mm-hmm. more I can make that a part of my daily life, I think the more my heart becomes like the heart of the Father. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is, it's transforming. Yeah. And, and they're not easy to always like, it's not always easy to, sometimes it is. Sometimes you look at the poor and your heart is just filled with mercy and your heart is tenderized by them. Sometimes your heart looks at the poor and you're frustrated and you're sure. angry because of the choices sure. they've made or the lifestyle that they're they're doing. And um, so it's not like it's, it's not always easy. It actually creates this war within us to see not Jesus, not just when it's easy to see Jesus in the face of the poor, but to see Jesus when it's hard to see Jesus in the face of the poor. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I like what you were saying about the the father's heart. I wonder if it's, uh, it's, it's that the father's heart gives where there's a need, right? Hmm. Like that, the, the fundamental disposition of the father is giving where there's need, Mm -hmm. right? So, so I am developing the heart of the father whenever I'm seeing a need and desiring to give to it. Right. 
Uh, and in the poor, it's ob- I mean, it's obvious that there's a, a resource they don't have that I have at least a little more than they do, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I love in traditions of like the rice bowl, right? Like the Paris sure. rice bowl where you fill the, the little thing with change yeah. and, um, it, uh, which is awesome. And yeah. I, it just yeah. like, we even want to make that more human though. So it's not just about filling the rice bowl with change. Like I did that all the time as a kid by like, but I never thought like, you know, eight years of Catholic school, like in elementary school, we had competitions that who could fill the rice bowl more and which class yeah, could raise yeah. the most change. And it was fun and it was like get almsgiving, but we weren't actually thinking about the poor. Yeah, <laughs> you know? sure, like, we sure. were like the heart disposition uh, uh, of me when I was doing the rice bowl mm-hmm. was never, Oh wait, there's actually children that are starving without mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. And I think making sure that, even in our almsgiving that there's an intentionality that I'm not just throwing money in the basket. I'm my, my heart is being linked with these people mm-hmm. um, because that's, that's Jesus. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, that I think that's, that is the connection piece that I'm seeing develop, right? That mm-hmm. Brad, you made the comment that it, it invites us to adopt and to, and to demonstrate the heart of the father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as I think back to like the various areas where I have seen great fruit in mm-hmm. giving to the poor, um, ultimately, yeah, it's by like it's it's by entering into a difficult and unique type of relationship mm-hmm. that something is stripped away from me that ultimately leads me into a place of a greater capacity to love. Yeah. Like to, to demonstrate the love that the father offers. That's right. Well, and Jesus says the poor will always be with us, which has always been fascinating to me. Because again, I know we've been talking about this like ad nauseum through this Lenten series, but like he, he, he permits things that actually bless the people he's trying to bring into his own life. Like if, if poverty is going to be permitted forever, if they're always going to be with us, then we need to tend to them forever. And that's obviously because there's something that happens in that that's good for them and good for me. And I don't mean that in like a self-aggrandizing way. I mean it in a very like wholesome way. Like Mother Teresa, one of her reflections that always gets me is like she she was talking about like her service in Calcutta and how there was a very distinct moment where when she was just ministering to these really broken, sick, dying, dirty, disgusting, like in a very real way, like, like uh, humanity at its lowest part that she started seeing the way the father looked with mercy on her. Yeah. And all of a sudden it, it shifted her heart to, to, to like even think about the way that we pray differently. Like when we pray that, that the Lord would forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, Lord, if I don't forgive those around me, condemn me. Do what I'm doing to others to me, right? Forgive others as, or forgive me as I forgive others, right? In that same way, Lord, like, like, give for my need in the same way I give to the needs of those around me. It becomes this like beautiful exchange that like gets us out of ourselves and into the game, right? In, into the game of holiness and into the game of mission. And, and back to those lyrics, like when I see his face, I wish I'd given more away. I really believe that's true. I, I like, the more I've reflected on the, that line that seems so simple, it's like, yeah, like how can I, I give more of, of what matters to me? I think there's a, I, I want to maybe tackle this with you guys. I, I think that if we're being honest in the church today, 
I think sometimes people struggle talking about almsgiving because they find themselves in this place where it's tending towards this social justice mindset, where it's like, we're just giving for the sake of giving. We just give to these things. But I would hearken back to um, Pope Emeritus Benedict, who said that the church forever exists to do three things. And we've talked about this on the show before too, but to worship, right? To evangelize and to care for the poor. And if you don't have all three of those, you don't really have any of them. They're, they're all they're all connected on purpose. So I wonder, like, if you guys see that, or maybe that's just uh, in some of the in some of the circles I find myself in. But I think sometimes we can we can almost consider almsgiving um, some liberal mandate that just makes me like a good person for doing it. But yeah. almsgiving is way deeper than just caring for a temporal need, right? It, it, there's something in it that's deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, the the two primary missions you see in the Acts of the Apostles, yeah. the, the very first two missions you see are the mission of evangelization mm-hmm. and the mission of caring financially for the needs of the the um, widow and orphan. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's really, bef- before the church set up hospitals, before the church set up schools, before the church mm-hmm. started all these nonprofits, it was preach the gospel yeah. and care for the needs of the poor. Mm-hmm. It, it was there just, that was the the natural... Uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, the yeah. first fruit of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. if you will, and so I, I mean it's it's part of our our very yes, it's part of our DNA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there is that element of um, it's been twisted so much nowadays in the modern context for social agendas, and mm-hmm. I think the um, I, I like. Uh, I know a few people who like whenever they're asked for money when mm-hmm. you're at the checkout, you know, they're like, would you like to round up for, uh, for blah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah, and everyone's yeah. like, yeah, sure. Round up, round up. And they give to, I, I'm, I'm always very cautious. I want to know where my money's going and what is, yeah. what does this organization stand for? And do they stand mm-hmm. for what I believe in? Right. And so I mm-hmm. think there is, um, conscious giving is important and conscientious mm-hmm. giving is important and knowing mm-hmm. Um, but the more the more human we make it, the more we understand this is what I'm giving to. This is what I stand for. This is what this organization stands for. Or even better, like I I prefer my alms giving to to be to mm-hmm. the person at the gas station, right? That I have that I am able to interact with and know to mm-hmm. see. Oh, is this person a person I want to invest in? And how do I want to invest in this person most effectively right now? Is it through prayer? Is it through alms giving? And yeah. So I, I think making it more human and less agenda driven, yeah. I think is important. But then when we're giving to organizations, we do need to know what do they mm-hmm. stand for? That's good. Yeah. Well, I, I think, and I want to toss this over to you, Aaron, but I, I almost want to, <clears throat> I want to reclaim the beauty of that statement of social justice. Like justice in the so- social realm is really important. Yeah, it's absolutely. really important. But what's happened is it stood for social agenda, not for actual justice for a human person. Yeah. Right. And what I want is the just reality of the human person, which means they have an opportunity to flourish and to know that there's a God that loves them. Good. Right. Like that, if we can take that back. A couple, a couple weeks ago, we, I mentioned this in the last show, we, we were going through the cardinal virtues mm-hmm. with our missionaries. And the second cardinal virtue is the virtue of justice. Yes. Right. And in understanding what justice means, it means giving to each what he is due. Right. So, um, the the idea of a of a of a drive toward social justice is I mean it's beautifully simple yes <laughs> right yeah that that 
my my mission, the mission of the church, mm-hmm. the mission of the individual is that I would give to another what he is due. Yeah. Uh, it can't get much more simple than that. And mm-hmm. the the most beautiful expression of that is that we give to we give to God first and foremost what he is due. That's right. Right? Uh, the 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 greatest commandment. Jesus even makes this connection himself. Mm-hmm. It's love God and love others. Yes. Right. That's right. It's not it's not first and second. Mm-hmm. Um that each of these things are tied. That's right. So when we enter into a, you know, the typical sort of progressive uh, attachment to the phrase social justice, what what often happens is that the drive toward the just worship of God is sacrificed as we orient toward the 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 just um, service of others. Yeah. Right. And those things they they can't be separated, or else or else both of them lose their 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 strength right well also there's i mean the the tricky part of that too is that there's there's such complication in a social structures right that there are different ways to solve like problems and so if charity is dealing with the problem in front of me and justice is dealing with the problem that is uh the systematic start of the problem there's so Mm. many different ways to say this is how we're going to deal with that and so That's where debate and disagreement but doesn't, but doesn't comes. that go back to your point? Is like fundamentally, the more incarnational we can make that, the the better it is. Oh, absolutely. Because human persons aren't predominantly systems. Yes, we're persons. Like we, we're actually ends in ourselves, right? That's. But we're getting back to John Paul II in a right ordered anthropology. I'm not simply a a cog in a systematic machine. Mm-hmm. I'm a human person who is an end in myself, and you are too. And the more that we can get back to that, that's why it's important for everyone to give alms is because we need everyone to care for the poor. Yep. We don't just need one person to pull a bunch of money and give it kind of, I don't know, um, societally. We need people that interact with the people that are being cared for, right? Yeah. Which is what Mother Teresa did in Calcutta. It's what so many of our religious orders do. It's what we as lay people should really do. I, I love what you're saying though, Aaron. I don't want mm-hmm. to lose it because back to the justice point, like- that's what Benedict would say is the reason those are the three parts of the church, worship, evangelization, and caring for the poor. It's justice. It's giving God what he's due. It's giving others what they're due. They're due an encounter with the God who loves them, and they're due the resource to flourish. That's literally like the, yep. his whole principle in that is a justice principle. And so like, I, I think that if we can begin seeing almsgiving out, like outside of our like normal context, what we can begin seeing is, God's resources for everyone. And he's given me this chunk of that resource to steward. And I want to use that for everyone. Like that, that is really the concept of almsgiving is like, Hey, I have some things that I don't fully need and I might even want them, but I don't fully need them. And, and those close to me who I've been called to steward in a particular way, don't fully need them. What a gift it would be to give that to someone who might need it more than us right? Because then we start seeing it as everything's God's. I have a little bit of it and I'm trying to share, but that needs to be incarnational and not just to some, I don't know, the third party all the time. Is yeah. That- I mean, to harken back uh, what you're saying, Brian, reminds me of our last episode we did on fasting where mm-hmm. Aaron mentioned um, the difference between temperance and fasting was mm-hmm. that temperance was, <clears throat> how'd you put it? The temperance was sacrifice of a, lu- a luxury. Something yeah. that's not necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then fasting is sacrificing of something that is necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to some extent, a lot of our um a lot of our giving can is is just a matter of 
like it's not just a matter of giving away the luxuries, right? Yeah, right, it, the right. Almsgiving is giving away from the the, the sustenance. Yeah. It's, it's giving yeah. part of what I need as mm-hmm. well because I realize yeah. even though I need this, the person there actually needs us more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it is like if we have temperance in the realm of our lifestyle, mm-hmm. it allows us to have the finances to to give more generous. I think it is. And I think that's the heart of Basil's comment that we mentioned earlier, right? Is like what he's trying to give us a concept for is like, Man, if you have two coats, like you, like if someone needs one and you're holding two because you like both, you should give that one away. Like his impetus is simply asking that question to us. Are we willing to give all the way to the point where it's like, I don't have a second tunic, you know, like Jesus is very, very common in telling the apostles the same thing. It's so funny because we're so, um, like I've wrestled with this like two coat thing a lot, you know, because you've got John the Baptist saying the same thing and it's like, the, but then it's like, well, shoot, like what's like, I've got two winter coats, but one's like a, a winter coat that I wear in like everyday use. And mm-hmm. then the other one's like a winter work coat. And like, yeah. it's like, yeah. well, I don't want to wear my everyday use coat when I'm out doing yard work, sure. like, because I'm going to destroy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the, now granted, it's, it's a different, not, it's a different it's, world. It's yeah, not, for it, sure. it yeah. is. It's a different world. And it's really hard for us though, because if we're not, um, if we're not examining our soul, if you will, or we're not examining our everyday choices, we'll, we'll probably end up accidentally just feeding ourselves as opposed to feeding the poor. Yeah, well, I do see in, in Basil's comment, just, just so that we're on it, like, and I'd love to hear what you think, Aaron, but what's dispensable is the prescription, okay? So he's prescribing that if you have two, give one away, right? That's dispensable. What's indispensable is the heart of why you're giving that one away. Okay. So what's indispensable is like at the end of the day, if I have two coats and someone is literally dying out there, they're getting the other one. Right. And then we can like that, that, but, but of course that's not always the, the position before us, but that, that disposition of the, again, I think it goes back to the heart of the father, which is where there's a need I want to give there. Right. I, I mean, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I'm having a hard time coming up with a, with a good modern parallel but at the same time you know yeah. i've i've served i i've served the poor for years down in appalachia and mm-hmm. all of them have a coat and yeah. there's a, and there's a giant barn full of extra coats yeah, so right like, right yeah so that it, it just doesn't check out the way that and thank goodness that we yeah. live in a society where even even those who are desperately yeah. poor can yeah. have access to things mm-hmm. through the generosity of others and organizations agreed um so so yeah maybe maybe yeah. the like Daniel was saying, like the coat, the coat thing might fall apart, but but what is that? Uh, what's what's the modern parallel to that for for me? Yeah, yeah. well, and it also gets to the purpose of giving too, right? Like, I think sometimes in my alms giving, I, I I I still go down to the campus at Ohio State a lot, and down there, there's just a number of guys that I know by name. I've known them since I was in college, and just um, there's times when we go and get food, and when I'm getting them food, I know they can get food through a different means. Like I, I, I know that they've gotten some money that day they're, but they're asking for food. And there's this, uh, there's this place in my heart that used to get calloused by that. That used to be like, I'm just doing my due diligence as a Christian to give to someone who's asking without really knowing. But then over time I was like, well, Lord, actually, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this in the heart of prayer and fasting too. That this is, this is money that I'm not going to use for my food. I'm going to use for theirs. Okay. So like, I'm, I'm, like going to fast from not eating right now and buy it for them. 
I'm also going to pray that in getting them this, the money that they have that they could be using on food would be used for something that's not to their destruction. Like we can actually begin oriented, like orienting prayer, fasting, and almsgiving together, which I think has been a beautiful Hmm. reflection we've been having throughout this Relentless series is that like these are three things that are at the heart of Christianity on purpose. That like we want to pray fast and give alms, not just in the Lenten season, yes, in an intentional way in the Lenten season, but so that it gives us a structure and a reminder that we're called to be doing these things all the time. Um, I want to I want to kind of spread almsgiving out a little bit, and we were mentioning this before the show, so I thought it'd be at least worth talking about here. Almsgiving in a very particular way is an act of charity giving to the poor. It, it has the financial component to it. The other thing that has a financial component to it is one of the precepts of the church, which is tithing to the church. And so I, I think we would be remiss to talk about almsgiving without tithing because almsgiving is suppo- supposed to be something we do in addition to tithing. But if we're not already tithing, we should probably start doing both, you know? And uh, I think it, it saddened me when I was doing my MSR um, like prep work a, a number of years ago that like, the, the average Catholic gives less than 2% of their salary to the church. Um, that, that's just, that's, uh, that's shocking that's, that number is so high. It, it, yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's also, it's so sad. Yeah. It's so sad because like you give to what you believe in, right? Like, man, this beautiful church we've been given, like, let's, let's, let's give there. And, and again, I think it's important to touch on it because God talks about God in the flesh. Jesus talks about mammon and God and not being able to serve both and how this is like a big thing for us. It also is interesting that the Lord holds us through his beautiful um, prescriptions in his church to an Old Testament reality, not a New Testament reality, right? Like in the Old Testament, you gave 10% to the Levites, to the, to the, the, the people that led the prayer, you know, to missionary, like the missionary tribe of Israel. Um, now, like we're, we're hearkening back to that. But in the New Testament, in the Acts of the Apostles, when you didn't give everything, you were struck dead, you know? And it's like, man, there's actually a mercy that the Lord's trusting me to give 90% in other ways. But I wonder just like thoughts on tithing. Like I, I think that number shocked me. I think it's probably the same reason we're apprehensive about giving in general, but um, maybe just some words, reflections, convictions around tithing. I mean, I would just go back to the margins, right? Like if I, if I don't have margins in my life to give, I'm not going to give, uh, even if I have a desire to. So I think most, most people have a heart that they desire to give. Um, and I would say most, if you asked most Catholics, do you wish you could give more? They would say yes. (laughs) Right. Like they're all going to, we're all going to say we want to give more. And then, but then we don't go to the next question and say, okay, well, what changes in your life you're willing to make? Yeah, are you willing to make so that you can give more? And hey, we we ask that for prayer, right? Like we we're always asking, how can I give more time in prayer? Like, and how's God <laughs> asking me to give more time in prayer? I think we we ask that in our service of uh, to <clears throat> the church. Like, how can I serve more? Like, how can I give back to my parish more in my time and my talent? Um, I don't know if we usually ask ourselves that as readily with finances yep. um, because it's, it's, it's almost always, okay, well, the, uh, and it is, it's just hard because the world's always asking for more mm-hmm. of our finances. Right. And so it, there, there requires a lot of intentionality of asking, okay, how can I give more here? If yeah. I, if I'm feeling a call to give more, what, what changes can I make to my life to open up the margins to give more? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I'm, where I'm 
led toward here is make the decision to give before the cause has presented itself. Yep. Um, yeah. I think, I think oftentimes in, in our mind, we fall into the trap of thinking, I will give when the cause is justified, right? I'll, yes. I'll, I'll, give to the, I'll give to the beggar that I am convinced won't waste it. That sells me. Yeah. Right? Or I'll give to the charity that, that touches my heart. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem with that is that you're never going to find, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe once in a blue moon, you find the right fit. Mm. But it's not only once in a blue moon that you're called to give. It's every day. Yeah. So we've, I know we've talked on the show a number of times over the last couple of years, but like making a decision uh, through the practical reality of, okay, I will have a separate, I'll have a separate bank account into which I deposit mm-hmm. a determined percentage of my, of my income. Mm-hmm. And that's my job is, is not to, uh, is not to decide is this cause worth giving, but it's just to empty that bank account because the yeah. gift, because the gift has already been determined. That's really good. Yeah. There is something about what you guys are saying that I'm, I'm just, I'm, it's dawning on me. Cause I do think sometimes in the giving, we can think it's because people are greedy or something like that, but that's actually not my m- most common experience with people in the church. I think a lot of times it is that like we wait until we need to be reactive instead of being proactive. Yeah. And then when we're reactive, we're, we're almost like in the like analysis paralysis, you know, like it's like, uh, too much to analyze. I'm just going to do it next time. And then the next time, and then I'm going to do it next time, you know? But you're right. Like if we, if we plan and prepare, like we plan like, Hey, this, this is going to be like the portion of our schedule that's yeah. given to prayer. This is going to be the, the part of our week that's given to fasting. This is the part of our budget that's given to giving. It's, yeah. Whether it's almsgiving or tithing, we can discuss later, you know, but this amount is going to be given to something that's for the other. If you saw a beggar on a street and they had all kinds of luxuries around them and plenty of food sitting in front of them, you'd say you don't need anything else. And I feel like the the modern context for the average Catholic in America is we just, we give our kids so much. And we're always mm-hmm. like, well, we need to give our kids more. And we need to give our kids more. And we mm-hmm. need to give our kids more. Our kids have enough. Like so many of us, we're not giving more to the needs of the church or to the needs of the poor because we're just, we're gluttonizing, if you will, financially our children. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, I think that's where like examine and, and I mean, I I'm guilty of it myself as well, but I think examining like to what extent are we actually overfeeding our children? Um, so that we're, which makes it impossible for us to have, Hmm. like if you saw a person with a ton of stuff, right? Two beggars, one that had nothing and one that had a whole bunch, you'd say, well, clearly I'm going to help the one that has nothing, but we're, Hmm. our children have enough <laughs> and mm-hmm. there's this weird, um, this, this weird, uh, keeping up with the Joneses thing that mm-hmm. just makes us feel like we have to keep giving our kids more and more and more and more. I feel like we want to protect them from wanting sometimes. Yeah. So we don't want them to want for anything. But I, I as a spiritual director of mine, when I was like first in my conversion, he, he would, he would say something along the lines of like, if you want for nothing, you'll never realize you need anything. That like, like if, if like you need to want because the want produces in you the understanding that I actually am in need, you know? And like, 
And like, I think a lot of times in the, in the church, because we want to, I, I think it's an identity thing. Honestly, I think it's because we want to be good parents and we want to be seen as good parents and we want to be seen as good um, husbands and wives and all these things. The way by which we know to do that is by providing excessively. But what that then does is lead them not to want anymore, which leads them to wonder if they really need the whole God thing anyway. It can just play against us. So I think what you're saying is like, brilliant. what are your thoughts on that, Aaron? With like the, that analogy is sweet. Cause you're right. If you saw someone on the street corner, you would, you'd be like, I don't need to give you anything because yeah. you already have more. But for whatever reason that shifts sometimes when it's someone that I'm entrusted. Yeah. There's a, there's a real value uh, of simplicity. Um, and it, it just takes, it takes building habits to maintain. So the reality is, I think this is a reflection of our lived experience of culture, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that just happens to be most of the audience for our podcast. So yeah, yeah like pursuing places of, of realizing, yeah, my tendency is to invest too much in my own wants. Yep. My tendency yep. is to invest too much in what my kids want. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I do to proactively pursue simplicity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's good in the beauty of the church that we have a season like Lent um, or Advent each year to remind ourselves like, okay, uh, fasting, fasting, almsgiving, prayer, penance, like these are things that aren't just because God's a masochist. Like right, right. these are things that are necessary for you. You, yep, yep. And for the upbuilding of like, and for the upbuilding of the church, that the church could be who she was made to be. And I think that's kind of where I want to land uh, is that like in this Lenten season, this, this idea of relentless pursuit, relentless pursuit that God has for us, relentless pursuit that we in turn give back to God. And then the, re- the relentlessness that we're called to bring into prayer and fasting and to almsgiving is all oriented towards becoming what God has intended for us to become, which is like, just like the, the fullness of like his love. Like that's what we're supposed to live in always. And the way that we can do that is by recommitting to these things in this season. Um, on, the, on the almsgiving tithing front, just to put a bow on that, I think that like in the same way that we want to make very specific goals in prayer and fasting, and I think a lot of times almsgiving can be something that we don't put as many like um, specific things on. Right. So like during Lent, I'm going to fast from caffeine and I'm going to pray 15 minutes every day. Right. You'll hear that all the time when you ask someone like, Hey, how are you going to engage Lent this year? I think very rarely is there a very specific almsgiving note on there. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone listening. If you're already almost through Lent, think to yourself, like what have been some of the areas that have touched your heart in this Lenten season? And how can you, how can you give to that? Maybe it's the poor in this particular region of the world or the, the poor, well, you mentioned widows and orphans. Maybe it's like one of those two um, collective bodies of people, but really asking that question. And then secondly, if this has inspired you today, the conversation, think about your tithing. Like that's not optional. Tith- mm-hmm. Giving money to the church is not something you do when you have extra cash in your wallet on Sunday. It, it's, it's a precept of the, like you are not Catholic if you're not doing that, right? And it's not because the church is greedy. It's because the church wants you to play a part in it. Yeah. The church wants your resource. The church needs your resource, financial, time, talent, treasure, all that stuff. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, I mentioned thoughts? earlier that 
the kids out the rock climbing wall, they're not they're not being served if if we don't have people giving their time to serve them. And mm-hmm. likewise, they're not being served if we don't have people giving their resources to serve them. And mm-hmm. the the church grows its mission by mm-hmm. time and uh and, and finances. It's just yeah. it really is. The gift of my life and the gift of my finances helps grow the missional work of the church. I would also say the as I love how you say because we do give specific areas for prayer and fasting a lot and not necessarily with almsgiving. I think that's important to do. And it doesn't just have to be, hey, I'm going to give X number of dollars to this charity. But mm-hmm. um, I would really encourage people like if if you're not around the poor often, mm-hmm. use Lent to to get yourself around them more. So if that means going to a gas station that you don't usually go to, I'd rather you go to a gas station you don't usually go to have a conversation with a poor person and give them $5, then throw $25 in a basket. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's, because something's going to happen in that interaction that's going to grow you and grow that person. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's power in that. And the using this time in the church to help be mindful of, oh, okay, how can I, how can I not only fuel the financial needs of the poor, but also mm-hmm. just the needs of their heart. That's really good. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, I think end it there. I, I, um, I, I think what I, I want to say here in conclusion, just for us, but also for all of you listening, is just that like, let's let's recommit to living relentless lives, lives that that don't stop when things get hard, lives that don't stop when questions get difficult, lives that don't leave questions rhetorical but seek to answer them. Like, okay, why am I struggling to give here? I want to give more. What? Why am I falling into this? Um, like lackadaisical state where I'm not praying. Like I want to answer that. So um, if anything, uh, if anything happens this Lent that's different than ever, let it be this, that we don't give up as easily. And that we know that because God is pursuing us relentlessly, we can pursue him relentlessly. And let's do that through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Let's pray quick and then uh, and close up for today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Jesus, thank you so much for the gift of your church. Thank you for the ways that your church teaches us. And thank you specifically for the seasons of the church that teach us how to live the seasons of life. Thank you for this Lenten season that brings us back into prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We pray, God, that our eyes would be open to see these amazing realities in different ways, that we would see all of the beauty and goodness you desire to give to us by partaking in these three essentials of the Christian life. Lord, let our pursuit of you be relentless. Let it be a pursuit that doesn't stop, that doesn't yield, that doesn't wait, but moves forward so that we can move forward into eternity with you. Jesus, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here at Beyond Damascus. We want to make sure to give um, just so much of our affection to our sponsors at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. They make this podcast possible. They've made this Lenten series possible. And if you've been blessed by this Relentless series, maybe just the episode today, maybe you've joined us for all five of them. What we would encourage you to do is to like and subscribe to this channel, share some of these episodes with people that you think would be really blessed by them. And let's continue to relentlessly pursue others in mission because the encounters that you're having through this faith formation are meant to be shared with those in your life that can benefit from it too. So we'll look forward to that journey with you guys and we'll see you next week here at Beyond Damascus. God bless.